Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, Keith Caulfield, I ask you, man, where do broken hearts go? That's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering today am, am, on this sad, I, sad day. Am I the uh, Spice Girls to your Jackson 5 turned Jacksons? Am I the Sugar Babes to your <laughs> Backstreet Boys when they lost one of their members? <laughs> you are the AJ McLean. Yes, I was to like, which one? My ginger. No, 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 it wasn't AJ. It was Kevin. Kevin. Nah, man. Well, Ke- well, AJ went to rehab, but then and then later Kevin later, left, and then they both back. Anyway, anyway, we have we are of course referencing Zane's departure from one direction we're, we're gonna have uh, our editor put in some sad music right here we should definitely do that because it is a sad day man and it's funny because we were we were prepping for this podcast we're actually taping this on wednesday the 25th of march 2015 a little bit later than we usually do because we were prepping this podcast we we're talking about oh you know we'll talk about kendrick lamar uptown funk all that stuff and then about five minutes before we went into the taping one Direction posted a memo on Facebook saying that Zayn Malik has uh, of- officially been relieved of his 1D duties. Well, that's not exactly what they said. They didn't say relieved of his duties, like they let him go. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm being, I'm, I'm using a euphemism, Be careful. but you know what I mean. People will oh, take your on. words the wrong way. Well, before we get started, Keith, welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast. We are here. We will talk about stuff like Kendrick Lamar and Uptown Funk. We also are going to get to an interview with Brandon Flowers of The Killers. He stopped by the Pop Shop Podcast to talk about love his new, new amazing new single, Can't Deny My Love. It just came out. Uh, he has a new album called The Desired Effect. It is out in May. It's a great, great album. I uh, was really happy to get him on the podcast. And we'll talk about a lot more before we get started. Of course, we have to remind listeners to subscribe to the Pop Shop Podcast on iTunes so you never ever miss an episode. Give us a rating and or a review on iTunes. We always appreciate the feedback. We've gotten a couple really nice reviews over the past couple weeks and we always appreciate them. And if you have any questions for us, give us a holler on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. I am at Jason Lipschutz. And let's do it, man. One direction. So where were you? Where were you, Keith, when the news broke? We were aiming one another talking about the show that was going to start in like five minutes. See, I that's the thing. So I printed out my my notes and I was like, oh, I've written that and then everyone started freaking out. Zane's out. Oh, what's going on? So I mean, where where do you want to start with this, man? I, I mean, do you think that the the interesting thing to me 
and I guess we'll start here um, before I give you a chance to answer. This where is where we're start. starting, says Jason. <laughs> the interesting thing to me, and, and and this is what I wrote about today, is it, it's obviously the the crucial news is that Zayn is out of the group. This came less than a week after he left their international tour due to stress. No one really knew when he was coming back on the tour. Now it is official that he is never coming back on the tour. But also, just as important to me is that the the announcement that One Direction's other four members are going to continue as a quartet, they're going to finish this tour, which runs through Halloween, and they have a fifth album due out later this year. So this is by no means the end of One Direction. And I think that's a, an important distinction to make, Keith. What, what do you think? Um, it, it's vaguely reminiscent of when Jerry Hollowell bailed on the Spice Girls midway through a tour. Um, I, I don't remember what month or day or era it was, but um, it was in support of the uh, Spice World album and tour. And like they were having, I think she would like one of those things where like she was like taking some time off from the tour and then she just decided to leave. Um, but I think that was a very different kind of situation. Um, but it, it was sort of the same kind of deal where, like, in the middle of the tour, one of the five members of a hugely popular pop group leaves. Um, but I don't think at the time the Spice Girls said anything about, and we're going to have a new album later on this year. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's it's um, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, how an act that has done so much, you know, four albums in effectively four years, um, has done... Way more than you know, like the Spice Girls did with only two albums at that point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting that they've already, they've already sort of like, the, it's like a preemptive strike. Like, you know, they look exactly. forward to finishing the tour as a four piece, and their next album will come out later this year. Like, they're, they're, they're already trying to direct the conversation to, it's a four piece, and we're moving on, and there will be a new album with the four of us. Yeah. Exactly. Like, imagine that Zane just announces on Twitter today. He's like, I'm out. I'm not in one direction anymore i'm done i mean that was a, a situation like that presents so much more uncertainty than than this this is this is and what this is what i wrote about today it's almost like a clean break it's like when and i'm gonna make a sports analogy when a, when a sports team kind of just releases or cuts or trades a player that's become kind of a headache that's causing a sideshow obviously a, di- a different situation but in the same regard one Direction is now able to move on. They can, you know, there's no expectation for Zayn to come back. It's just the four of them now. They're going to keep going for months and months, and they're going to put out a new album. I mean, I I don't think we any of us know what's going to happen after 2015. Will there be another tour to promote their fifth album? What's going to happen? Will there be a sixth album? I mean, that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I think it's it's a silver lining for fans who are obviously upset about this that one direction is not done because it i mean really like it very well could have been like zane leaves the rest of the members say you know what we're we're kind of done too we all quit I, I mean that that's a that was a possibility and and a lot of people didn't really know what was going on this week now zane is out and it seems like the other four members are still on board jason as an expert on all things one direction <laughs> is that what right. i am you are now um, All right. Was there um, ever any sort of um, known animosity between the five members of the group? No, that, and that's the thing is that when One Direction, the other four members performed earlier this week in their first show without Zane, 
I think a lot of people took it as a tribute to Zayn that they announced themselves using their first names instead of as One Direction because they acknowledged that they were not a whole group. And I, I, I don't think any, there's been a lot of speculation as to what's going on with One Direction. You know, we've, we've reached out to One Direction's label and, and their personal reps. And, and I'm sure they're super talkative right now. They're not being talkative right wah, now, wah. as you would expect. Exactly. So there's, there's obviously a lot of speculation, a lot of tabloid rumors, a lot of, you know, questions as to Zayn quit because of stress and what else. I, I mean, there's a lot of that going around. I, I just think that's What's kind of... What's the bas- real reason why he left? Was it because of blah? What about blah? Yeah, How I mean, and w- I don't know if we're going to get those answers soon or if we're ever going to get those answers. I'm sure we will someday, but it's, I don't think it's going to be soon. But I don't, I don't think, I mean, just from what I've read, just from how the appearance of the whole thing, it doesn't seem like any of these members are mad at Zane or, uh, or anything like that. I, I just think that, you know, if it is true, if that shred of, of information that he, he left the tour due to stress is true, obviously he has some personal problems and, you know, he, he shouldn't be faulted for that. He, he's 22 years old. And this is something I've talked to a lot of people about because people are like, how dare he quit the tour? It's, it's like this dude's schedule has been packed for five years. I mean, he and the rest of One Direction have been working their music tirelessly throughout this entire half decade. I, I mean, you know, if if he really is just done and he can't take it anymore, I'm obviously you can be upset, but you can't really be mad at him, right? Uh, no, no. I mean, I I remember in in my incredibly brief encounter with One Direction um, last year at the American Music Awards and. He, I don't think the the five of them were backstage, and Zane, I don't think said anything. And like, he's my always been of, the quiet guy, yeah. Like one and a half minutes, like encounter. But I remember asking them something about, you know, isn't it odd how, or like, is it weird or difficult to have your entire like next year already planned out? Like, you know, you the tour is going, you already know, like everything is already planned out for the next year. And because um, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be kind of daunting where you're you're looking ahead and like all you see is like stadium after stadium, you know, appointment after appointment. We're going to be in this country, this country, this country. And you're always on the road. You're always running and you're always going. And they've always been going since they auditioned for the X factor and have been on this roller coaster. And the roller coaster continues to be like, you know, on that high, it's never like pulled into the station and they've never really had time to like get off and like go have a churro, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, um, uh, uh, I think Liam said, he's like, well, no, it's actually kind of comforting. Like, you know, it's, we're fortunate that things are planned out that far in advance. Of course he was probably just giving me the standard, you know, PR answer. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, depending on your personality and how, how, how you sort of operate your life and how you're able to handle that, that can be just a whole heck of a lot of stress. And, you know, perhaps it's just like, look, you know, it'll be better for my health and, you know, for everyone else and also for the guys in the group because, you know, he doesn't want to be like the half-assed member who isn't really in it to be in it anymore. Um, exactly. And, you know, uh, you know, we, we've seen a, a, lots of groups in the past been able to um, soldier on without a member um you know the jacksons uh jermaine left the group from well they left he left the jackson five in the 70s and they they continued on as the jacksons and had a good deal of success without jermaine um 
Spice Girls, not so much. When they lost Jerry, you know, they only had one more album. Uh, you know, it, but you know, there, there's lots of examples of how people have been able to to move on and and find success in different ways. Exactly. Backstreet Boys put out a couple albums without without Kevin, and he eventually came back. He came back. You never know. Zane could always come back. You never know. I do think it so, is a bit ironic that One Direction's fifth album will be their first as a four-piece. Yeah, you know, I know. Five, their last album four. was called Four. It was the time. I know. And, mm. y- you know, we're, we're, we're going to keep following this story closely on Billboard.com. We, we've done a ton of stuff on, on this story already. Check out all of Billboard.com. Scour through our opinions and our list. Uh, Keith and I actually combined earlier today on a One Direction by the numbers piece, uh, just kind of showing how staggering and impressive their run with Zayn really was. So, Keith, we have to move on. Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly is number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. One of the biggest debuts of the year. And is it, is it fair to say bigger than expected? We talked about it a little bit last week. It... it debuted with over 300,000 copies sold. What, what do you think about this, man? Yeah, it sold 324,000, um, and in total, its overall consumption figure, its overall album equivalent number was 363,000. Um, so just in terms of pure album sales, it's the second biggest week of the year um, after Drake's surprise album uh, you know, did, uh, you know, had a huge first week. So I don't know. I don't actually know um, I don't have the I didn't I don't have what people thought this was going to do. Um, I think everything was kind of thrown up into the air when the album arrived earlier than expected because it came out a week earlier than anticipated. Um, so it's tough to say, uh, but you know who knows? Maybe the excitement over the surprise-ish type release <laughs> helped it much in the same way Drake did. Um, you know, I think we're seeing a lot more surprise-ish type albums and they seem to be working if they're done in the right way so that's notable uh, so yeah Kendrick Lamar's number one to pimp a butterfly number one the billboard 200 is his first number one album it's fun picturing Kendrick Lamar being like surprise like throwing his hands in the air <laughs> probably not look He's what not I did guy. no not really what's funny is that we were actually talking about this today in the office that Kendrick Lamar's album to pimp a butterfly is another huge hip-hop debut without much single support this is after j cole's album after drake's album and now we have a third one so we can officially call it a trend where there wasn't a breakout single really leading a big album debut and and it's funny because another one earl sweatshirt's new album which was released this week and and may hit the billboard 200 next week is expected to hit the billboard 200 yeah, it's not week. a may it will it will probably be top 10 on the billboard 200 next okay. week you know it, it, i don't have the exact figure yet but it should probably be like the second or third biggest debut next week um actually the new kids bop album will actually debut a little bit stronger probably than earl sweatshirt <laughs> that's like earl the, sweatshirt the versus polar the opposite <laughs> the polar opposite of the earl sweatshirt album i look forward to the kids bop kids, kids covering earl sweatshirt or odd future <laughs> that would be really Really interesting. That would be. Look, if the Kids Pop Kids can cover Ariana Grande's Love Me Harder. <laughs> Do they really? Yes, it's on the new album. Oh, no way, really? I got to hear that. Oh, Lord, help us. Because The Weeknd has a, a, has a line on that song where it's like, Do you feel the pressure between your hips? And I, I'm wondering how Kids Bob handled that line. Do you like the leisure on a ship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally work 
Oh man! All right, so you, you said Earl Sweatshirt's uh, next album, his his follow up to Doris, is probably going to be top ten next week. Yes, it should be. It should be. But you know, anything can change. We still have the weekend. Cool, man. All right. Also of note on this week's Billboard 200 album, the Empire soundtrack, which debuted at number one last week, slips to number two. But it's it seems like it's holding on really well. Yeah, and, yeah. And you wrote about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this morning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, yeah, it holds at number. Well, holds it slips to number two with 110,000 overall units, of which 89 thousand were traditional album sales. That's only down 19 percent in sales and 16 percent in overall units it holds on quite well because of course last week was the first season finale of empire huge ratings i suspect that it could drop a little bit uh next week because you know the excitement of the finale has passed but who knows um there you know the singles are actually kind of catching on one of them is actually uh one of them one of the songs the name of which escapes me i don't have it in front of me debuts on some of our radio airplay charts this week which is, is it a you're, little... you're so beautiful yeah i will actually no it's not that one i don't think oh interesting um so yeah it's unusual that there's actually some radio love happening who knows if it'll last more than a week but we're going to keep our eye on it yeah interesting man i i mean this this soundtrack is doing well, and it's it's worth noting that it's. I'm curious as to how it's going to do in the next month or two because the show is now off the air. So I mean, obviously, some of the buzz is going to die down. Until Good enough the is fall. the name of the song, by the way. Good enough. Okay. Yeah. So Keith, let's move to the Hot 100 chart. Uptown Funk. It just won't stop. It won't it, it's die. just going to keep giving it to you that for funk weeks just and weeks keeps and weeks. Getting funkier and funkier every week at the funk top of the chart. A. Twelfth week at number one. Is it slowing down at all, man? No, <laughs> no. Oh my goodness! It's like still like a million miles away from number two. Wow. And yeah. No. It's just I don't think it's going to, unless something. And we were talking about this internally, like Gary Trust and I, um, and Silvio Petrolongo. We were talking about this, and we we're like, what can actually happen? And basically, what has to happen is something drops out of the sky, probably. You know, like if Rihanna drops a track next Monday, you know, with the video. You know, and it's super hot, then maybe that could stop it. But but the gap between numbers one and two, and then like one and three, it's just enormous. So I don't think this is going to be stopping anytime soon. It's really crazy. I, I mean, it, it goes back. I the the last song that this reminds me of is Blurred Lines, where it's just like, which I, I forget how many weeks it was number one. Blurred Lines like spent 14? twelve weeks at number one, and uh, of oh, course, twelve weeks ties Blurred Lines as the longest running number one in the two thousand tens. That is unbelievable. Yep. So next week, it could be the longest running number one of the decade. I guess we'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, a a little bit lower on the Hot 100. In the top 10, Flowrider is back in the top 10 of the Hot 100. This song has just been creeping up, creeping up, and creeping up. I'm talking, of course, about Going Down For Real, his latest single. GDFR. GDFR, of course. I, I mean, he's going up for real, man. That That's the whole thing. That's the irony of this situation. Flowrider, he just, he, he doesn't get lower on the Hot 100. He goes higher. So, Keith, uh, is this is this just a, a testament to radio? I've, I've heard this song on radio nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a big radio hit. Um, and you know it's 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 just one of those those horny sounding flow like flow rider tracks that is is doing really well on the radio like no wait when you say horny, horny sounding the horn the horn sounds oh okay There's i some, thought you he's he's just a horny dude no 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 but like he's the horn using a lot of horns okay yeah um what i find really interesting about this and and, and chart watchers will, will appreciate this 
Um, the the song actually, I think, samples a remix of "Lowrider" by War. Um, like, I'm yeah. unclear on which which remix it samples, but ultimately, it carries a songwriting credit by uh, Jerry Goldstein. Goldstein, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, so Jerry Goldstein co-wrote "War's Lowrider," but he mm-hmm. also co-wrote "My Boyfriend's Back." And you're gonna be in trouble. And he also co-wrote "I Want Candy," uh, you know, which was later covered by Bow Wow Wow. So, yeah, of course, it's kind of fun to see uh, this track in a weird way, kind of you know, work its way back into the top ten thanks to a weird like sample remix thingy happening. So, I like that. That's like a bonus chart set. Yeah, I know. Right? Anyway, sorry. There you are. Yeah. All right, man. So we got we got to get to another segment of the Pop Show Podcast. We did not get to it last week. We it is returning this week. This is a the time where Keith and I break down some of the songs that you want to keep a keep an eye on on the Hot 100. They're in the lower reaches, but could be in the top ten soon enough. This is soon to be hits. All right, man. We got two songs this week. Which one do you want to get to first? Um, well, let's do Megan Trainer first. Okay. Um, so I'll talk about Megan Trainer. So her new single, uh, Dear Future Husband, debuts on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. Gives her, you know, a third uh, hit on the Hot 100, I believe. Um, and you know, it's already off to a really good start. And I I wonder she she could be able to, you know, get another top 10 hit out of this album. Um, you know, all about that bass and lips are moving both went top 10. Dear Future Husband debuts at 47. Uh, actually re-enters, I apologize, re-enters at 47 now that it's an official single. And I think a lot of people last year were probably thinking that Megan was perhaps going to be a one-hit wonder with, with a song um, like, you know, All About That Bass. It kind yeah. of lends itself to being perhaps a one-hit wonder. But she's been able to prove people wrong with Lips Are Moving and now with this third single, Dear Future Husband, which is off to a good start. Um, on the charts this week so if her track record is in the indication we should see this going to the top 10 here in the next few weeks very cool man and yeah i i always say we always say on the show that it's all about that second hit to establish that you're not a one-hit wonder because you you see last year iggy azalea was able to do it following up fancy with black widow megan trainer uh following up all about that bass with lips are moving but you have an artist like magic who still hasn't followed up rude and they're kind of viewed more as a one-hit wonder yeah we're and, and you know you go ta or something you know so it's you really have to be able to you have to be able to make more of an impression. Get that past second that hit. Single. It's all about that number two. Yeah, it's all about that number two. All right. So what is what else on uh, soon to be hits? Uh, Twenty one pilots actually, um, which is an interesting uh, song. Do you want to talk about this one? Do you want me to talk about it a little bit? All you man, it's all you. Me. I did. I did listen to this song to, because I was not aware of this song. I, I'm obviously aware of Twenty One Pilots. I didn't know they had a new track out, and you were like, "Hey, it's it's doing well." So yeah, tell me more. So what did you think of the track? By the way, it's called "Fairly Local." Is the name of the song. It debuts at 84 on the Hot 100 this week. What do you think of it, Jason? I thought it was careful. It's I'm I'm being careful. It's very much. Do you remember the song "Handlebars" by Flowbots? No. Kind of reminded me of that. Very like a pop apocalyptic rap rock. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's. I was trying to. We were we were talking about it in a meeting the other day, and we're like, well, what? what kind of genre is this? I'm like, well, it's a little bit rock and a little bit hip hop and kind of dancey pop and a little bit alternative. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, it is Lincoln Park goes dance sort of kind of maybe uh, it's hard to tell. It has this sort of like 
like this apocalyptica, not the band, um, vibe. The Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, when you think it's one thing, it takes a left turn and goes somewhere else and then it, it makes another right turn. And then like every like, so it's it's kind of hard to pin down. And I think that's why it's it's off to such a fast start in the past week. Um, who knows where it'll go in the next few weeks. I think certainly it's an interesting look for 21 Pilots. And because of the sort of hard to classify nature of the song, maybe it could find fortune at multiple um, different kinds of radio formats. You know, it could be an alternative hit, could be a top 40 hit, could be a weird dance yeah. hit. Who knows? And you know, Twenty One Pilots is is the type of band that you always see them at summer festivals. They they just are are total road warriors. They've never really had a crossover hit, but they have a, a huge fan base. Maybe fairly local is the one to bring it there. Yeah. Keith, uh, thanks, man. That was soon to be hits. All right, man. We got to get to Brandon Flowers. Like we said at the top of the show, his new album, The Desired Effect. It's a solo album from the leader of the Killers. It is out in May. It follows his first solo album uh, called Flamingo, which was released in 2010. And I got to sit down with Brandon um, at the Soho Grand Hotel in New York, and it, it was a really interesting discussion. We, we talked, you know, I talked to him about forging a, a solo career. You know, obviously after the immense success of the Killers, what inspired this album, which is is a lot different than his last solo album, and why he felt the need to more or less reshape his sound. So hey, here it is, Brandon. Hey, hey, oh, go ahead, man. Before, go ahead. Mike, before you dive in, did you ask him about the song that has Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys on it? We're going to have to find out, oh, man. Okay. This is Brandon Flowers on the Pop Show Podcast. The Desired Effect comes out in May. Yeah. And I love this album. It's just so much fun to. It's so fun to listen to. It's so. It's so like. It's such a playful album. Yeah. And I'm curious as to the timing of it. It's five years after your last solo album. Why? Why now? Why another solo re- release now? Pretty similar story to the last to the last solo record. The first solo record uh, is just the the killers. A couple of the guys just don't want to tour so heavily all the time, and and want to have a break from it all yeah yeah and And you're and you're not in that space yeah no i mean i do i find a lot of time i feel like for my family and i just keep writing songs and the issue from the vacation time uh that's where i guess it's because of my the amount of production and the amount of uh, songs that keep coming that's where the problem occurs because when the killers get back together I'm um, gonna have a lot of songs, and yeah. but the long, you know, the longer the time passes, and that's the, then you're not gonna get a true killer's record because I'm gonna want all these songs on the record, and so it's just better I have an output for these songs, and then when we go back and we're fresh in the studio, it's gonna be more of a collaboration, which is what people want. That's what you want from a band. Yeah. Are do you ever approach songwriting with a point that like oh, these songs are going to work for me a little bit better? Are these songs going to be Not a anymore, bit? not okay. so much. Now it's just, I just want the best, you know, the best of the best is what I want to put out right now. Okay. So are, are your bandmates always understanding with like, you're, you're obviously comes to point like, hey guys, I'm going to work on a solo album. Like, are, are they always like, cool, go for it? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I remember, you know, having the first conversations uh, uh, when I made when I first did it and it was... You know, everybody was 
was great about it and happy about it really because like I said they were you know they want it ensured that that break that was going to happen in terms of this album it's your second solo album after Flamingo how do you look back on Flamingo in, in 2010 and, and just how that record came together and those yeah. songs and how do you look back on that time I love it yeah. I love it I love the aesthetic of it and I love the songs and and I'm really proud of it. Um, something I really always wanted to capture, and I s- still do, and I still struggle and haven't yet, I don't feel like, is just where I'm from and and the, the desert and and Las Vegas. And when I hear um, sort of classic Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles or whatever it is that I always, I don't know, like there's something about those songs that make me feel more a part of where I'm from. Yeah. And I feel like it's really powerful and I would like to do that. Uh, myself (laughs) and so I sort of you know I was able to conjure up you know I feel like some of the stuff that I wanted to but I thought it was a really good stepping stone yeah and and going into this album it's funny because you look I I, I'm so impressed by the collaborators on this album and the one that jumps out is Bruce Hornsby and it it's some of these songs sound like Bruce Hornsby and the and the range songs and you, you you it makes me think of like a little bit of John Mellencamp, a little bit of Paul Simon. I mean, what what were you listening to? What what were you digesting as these songs kind of came together? I think all the people that you just mentioned too are sort of guys on their own in you know, or, or stepped away from bands at some point and went on their own. And so I thought, you know, a lot of those people were on my brain, and maybe it sort of seeped its way into the record thinking about it. Because you know, when you're going into it, you realize I'm stepping away from this big thing, the Killers, and uh, you know, you want to think of the guys that have done it before and who did it well and so of course those names came up um, sting came up uh peter gabriel uh you know just, just morrissey everybody yeah. that's done it so. does does being the front man for the killers make something like this like presenting yourself as, as a solo artist harder or easier i mean obviously people are going to look at this project and be like oh look compared to the killer stuff yeah it's kind of I'm I'm sort of spoiled because I already have this this huge fan base, yeah. and but there's also I th- feel like a lot of uh, that's expected of me, and so it's a, sort of I don't know give and take there. Yeah, yeah. I mean because I'm sure people are like you know drawn to it because of the killers. At the same time, people can almost pigeonhole you as and saying like oh it's the, you know it's it's just a side project i mean it, it, it must be a little difficult to deal with that it, it, it's it's I, i'm i'm sure right yeah but it's okay I, i'm honest about it it's not a you know it's not a i hate even using the word project about it yeah. it's not a little thing for me this is an arts and crafts <laughs> you know <laughs> like this is what i do and i'm getting i'm getting more confident at it and i'm sort of more proficient at it than i've ever been and it's strong so it's uh this is nothing to do with vanity or or anything like that i just i this is what i do it seems like this album is is preoccupied with with dreams and the future and and i i wrote down a, a lyric that really stuck with me on between me and you you um you sing all my life i've been told follow your dreams but the trail went cold and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious do you feel like you've um achieved your dreams in terms of musically, in terms of personally, I'm, I'm curious as to. Yeah, I mean, one of the, my traits, I guess, characteristics about myself is, I just don't ever. 
don't ever feel really fulfilled with what I'm doing, I guess. And that's a good thing, I think, because it keeps me keeps me going. I'm never just content with, you know, this or that, you know. And it, it, there's so much great music that's come before us. So it's, we're in a tough spot right now. Everybody, I'm speaking for everybody that writes yeah. music right now. Yeah. Um, because you're you sort of just soak all that up your whole life. And there's so much legendary material, and and that's the stuff that I keep going back to, and it keeps me going, and yeah, yeah. No, it, it seems like you've always pushed yourself. It, 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 this album to me almost reminds me a little bit of Sam's Town in the way that you had Hot Fuss with the Killers, and and just a, a huge mm-hmm. smash album, and the the change in sound and in direction was yeah. was so marked on on Sam's Town, and it yeah. was almost like you were saying. We're not satisfied making Hot Fuss Part Two. We yeah. want to explore these different areas. This is what that this that is what this album reminds me of. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I always, it, you know, I grew up my whole life places that that were these staples uh, of my life have all like you know with the geography of Las Vegas and the casinos. My whole life, I've watched these places get torn down and new ones get put up and I can't help but think that that's had some profound effect on me in the way that I view things um and so I think I've just sort of that's just applied that to to music so how how, I'm curious about how how so just in terms of uh just places that I would you know that I would go or that my grandma worked at all that you know you you know they we have these sort of celebratory implosions of these places yeah especially and then they put up a and then we put up a new one and a bigger, shinier one, or whatever it is, and so I feel like that may have seeped into you know my consciousness, and and it comes out in in these ways where I make these strange one eighties. So it's almost like you have to blow up the past model yeah. to, re, to make a new I one. Yes, yeah. I like that. Implode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Brandon Flowers for stopping by the Pop Shop Podcast. And Keith, as you well know by now, I did not, I did actually ask Brandon Flowers about the Neil Tennant collaboration, I Can Change. However, I want to save that for Billboard.com. Uh, you know, fans of the chat can find out more about how he worked with Neil. It's a really fascinating story. So we're going to push people over to Billboard.com. Also working with Ariel Rechstad, who is the producer of this album. He's worked with Vampire Weekend, Heim, and Charlie XCX. More from the Brandon Flowers interview is going to be on Billboard.com. All right, man, before we go, let's do it. It's time for your Char Stat of the Week. Hey, okay, so 59 years ago this week, the Billboard 200 Albums Chart was born. Um, that's the sound of a baby. Um, now, <laughs> I'll call. What should we name it, darling? The Billboard 200. Well, you know, actually, it wasn't called the Billboard 200 back in 1956. <laughs> um, we have a funny way of doing this. You know, the Billboard 200 chart is our weekly pop albums chart, um, and we've been publishing a pop albums chart on a regular weekly basis since March 25th. 1956. Now we had album charts before that, but they were never 
always on the regular. Like we'd had them going back to like the 40s or something, but we didn't have them. Like they weren't consistent. Um, they were sort of consistent sometimes, and then they wouldn't be. And then uh. so we consider that the start of the Billboard 200s chart history is in 1956, March 25th, when the first number one album was Harry Belafonte's Belafonte. Um, it was a very busy year for the so-called King of Calypso. Um, he was already a Tony Award winner for his work in John Murray Anderson's Almanac. And then after topping the chart with Belafonte, he notched a number, uh, another, another number one with Calypso. And it was fueled by, of course, the smash single, Deo, Deo, the Banana Boat <laughs> song. Um, the album spent a staggering 31 weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 um, tying with the soundtrack to South Pacific for the third longest run at number one in history. Um, this is, of course, about Calypso, not the Belafonte album. Um, and of course, people might also be familiar with Deo, the Banana Boat song, because it was used so memorably in Beetlejuice uh, in 1988. Um, anyway, so there you go. That is the short and sweet chart stat of the week. 59 years ago, the Billboard 200 was born throwback man i love it thank you keith for your chart set of the week all right man that is going to do it for us at the billboard.com pop shop podcast tune in next week again every thursday morning post it on billboard.com once again subscribe to us on itunes give us a rating review etc etc we have another really cool guest lined up for next week's show so i'm excited about that keith do you have any parting words i do not all right man we got to go out on a one direction song what what which song what makes you beautiful What makes you beautiful, Keith? Thanks for listening and take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.